We are going through the Bible on Wednesday nights. We're in 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to look at the first 13 verses this evening. 1 Peter chapter 3. So a police officer jumps into his squad car and calls the station. He says, I've got a really interesting case. A wife has just shot her husband because he has walked on the floor that she's just mopped. And the sergeant says, well, have you arrested her yet? And he says, no, the floor is still wet. (laughs) A husband was standing on the scale to check his weight And he starts sucking it in. And his wife looks and goes, what are you doing? That's not going to help at all. And he says, yes, it is. This way I can see the numbers. (laughs) So tonight we're going to talk about marriage. You guys ready? Husbands and wives. So I hope that your heart is prepared if you are a spouse. If you are married, that God would soften our hearts, give us fresh hearts to be able to learn about marriage. If you're single, please don't check out. Because this message is for you. And you're like, no, I'm pretty happy being single. Well, you don't know. Someday God may call you to be married. And if you're considering being married, I think there's some really helpful insights uh, uh, for you uh, this evening. And what we find in the marriage relationship is applicable to all relationships. And so I think there's a lot for you here if you're single as well. Let's welcome the Holy Spirit and ask that God would teach us afresh tonight. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the gift of marriage. Right now, we just pray that you would send the Holy Spirit. We read in the book of Acts of you pouring out your spirit. Holy Spirit, you're our teacher. You lead us and guide us in truth. God, I pray for every married couple that you would encourage them tonight, that you'd bless them, that you'd speak to them. Father, for those that are single, that you would minister to their hearts give them insight about relationship, and if you have them to be married in the future, that you would continue to bless them and guide them. So would you speak to us, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's really important, before we get into this paragraph on marriage, that we get a large perspective for a moment from God's word about marriage, because if we don't, I think we're going to really miss out First, we find in Genesis where God has given us marriage as his sacred institution. So marriage is not man's idea. Man didn't come up with it. We don't get to define it. We don't get to alter it. It's not the state of Colorado's institution. It's not the institution of the Supreme Court. It's not the institution of the United States of America or Europe or any of those things. It's God's institution. God creates Adam, goes through all of his creation, Oh, it's good. It's good. It's good. He gets to Adam, who's dwelling alone, and he says, it's not good. It's not good for man to dwell alone. And I think every single guy has proven that sense, almost, you know? I know when I was, I was single and renting an apartment and living by myself, it was, it was not good for me to dwell alone. We'll leave it there. So, so God creates Eve, from Adam's side. And the Lord says, it is good. Male and female represent the image of God. So God has defined marriage between man and a woman, a male and a female. All the way back to Genesis chapter one, you'd almost think that why would God have to define that? Isn't it it obvious that marriage would be between a man and a woman? Well, God knew in his infinite wisdom over time that we would contest God on the definition of marriage. So he found he defines it. So, so that's the first for us to understand. It's God's institution. But then we also know that marriage represents Christ in the church. It's God's billboard. It's God's YouTube video to a lost and dying world of Christ in the church. That husbands were to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Wives that you're to submit to your husbands as the church submits and respects to Christ. So that gives us a deeper understanding about marriage. Marriage is not just about our own happiness, us being completed. It's really not a selfish focus. It should be a God focus, an upward focus that we get to represent Christ in the church. And I think that as things continue to get dark, what a great opportunity to shine light of God's love. 
When I get to married couples, I always encourage them for making that commitment to be married in a culture that doesn't believe in marriage anymore. That they're standing before God and they're standing before their friends and their culture saying we're committed to each other for life. We see Jesus. Jesus comes to a wedding, doesn't he? And he performs a wedding. Or he doesn't perform the wedding, but he attends the wedding. Is it significant? Absolutely. Jesus being there in John 2 shows us his approval of marriage. Takes water and he turns it into wine. Apart from Christ, marriage can get mundane. It can get day-to-day, but, but Christ is the one who adds that element, water turning into wine. So marriage is God's institution. Marriage represents Christ in the church. You may or may not have realized this, but marriage is our covenant before God and one another. When you got married, whether you were a believer or an unbeliever, you actually entered into a covenant, a contract before God. And we don't use that word very often anymore, covenant. But in the Old Testament, when they would make a contract, it would actually be in blood. They would take an animal and cut open the animal and then walk through together, basically saying, if you break this contract, the blood's on you. I mean, the message was, was really clear. This is our life or death uh, commitment. In Malachi chapter 2, it tells us, yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with, you, you, with whom you've dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and the wife by covenant. So God's speaking to the husbands and saying, you're dealing treacherously with your wife of your youth, which is by covenant. It was a covenant before God. It was a covenant before, before your, your wife. I hope as we enter into this text that our hearts would be softened, our hearts would be opened, but also that we would get an elevated view of marriage. You know, we need to be refreshed. We need to be reminded of God's view of marriage. God's calling us to something in these 13 verses. And I hope that we would embrace the call. It's God's role to the wife and then God's role to, to the husband. God primarily sums up marriage in the New Testament in three passages, in Ephesians, in Colossians, and also here in 1 Peter 3. All three are short paragraphs, but are pregnant with meaning. There's so much meaning in these, these paragraphs. Now, you can get advice a lot of places on marriage, can't you? But are you ready to come to God's word for instruction on marriage? And that's, that's my question before you. Maybe you're thinking about getting married, or are you considering it through the lens of God's word? Or are you married? Are you ready to do marriage God's way? And I would hope that we are. I would hope that we're at a place of realizing in and of ourselves, marriage isn't going very well. And saying, Lord, I'm ready to accept your instruction and the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you are already uncomfortable because you're saying, you know, my marriage is too far gone. I don't have hope for, for my marriage. Or maybe you're going, you know, I've heard it before and I know it and I, I really just don't want to hear it again. You know, sometimes I get like that in different, different areas. It's like, ah, get kind of grouchy about it. Maybe you find yourself going, I'm already kind of tired and I've went in Halloween candy comatose. I don't, I don't, I don't want to be lectured on marriage tonight. You know, those, those type of things. Let's just open our hearts and see what, what God would do and how he would speak to us. So ladies, are you ready? <laughs> Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, that they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. So Peter writes first to wives, and he says, be submissive to your own husbands. Context is important. It's been a few weeks. If we look at the end of chapter 2, we see it's a message of submission, that we're to be submitted to the government that God has put in place over us, that we are to be submitted also to our masters, which would be our employers today. For them, many of them would have, have been slaves. And now God directs it towards the home. And God has put order in society, and he's put order in the church, and he's put order inside of the homes. And he says, wives, I want you to submit to your, to your husbands. And ladies, I want you to hear this first. I want all of us to hear this, is we're all to live a life of submission. God has called every single one of us to a life of submission. It's not just wives. 
are to come under authority. Really, God's blessing comes into our lives as we come underneath authority. That's difficult. We, we fight against the, the grain of it. But when we're coming underneath the authority that God has placed in our lives, that's humility, isn't it? We're willing to accept the protection that God has placed in our lives. Submission is found inside the Trinity. We see that the Son is always submitting to the Father. It's very clear in what Jesus said, that he didn't come to do his will, but the will of the Father. Now, are Jesus and the Father equals? Yes, they're complete equals. Is there order inside of the Trinity? Yes. So please don't misunderstand submission to think that you're less than the person that God is calling you to follow. You know, you may be called to to follow a boss at work and you're more qualified than them. Uh, You have more academic expertise than them. You can run circles around them. You're not saying that they're, they're greater than you. You're understanding the position that God's placed in their lives. So, so if we have a difficulty with submission, we have to look at Jesus and go, okay, Jesus was willing to submit to the Father, so am I willing to submit to the authority that God has put in my life? And when we're not submitting to the authority that God's put into our life, we're really wrestling with God. We're really wrestling with the Lord. And that moment and those times when we're surrendered, it unlocks the life of Christ inside of us. When we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus, come under Jesus' authority, then we find life. But when I'm wrestling with authority, when I'm wrestling with the Lord, when I'm wrestling with being, being surrendered, I'm not experiencing the life of Christ. So ladies, what does this mean, mean practically? to submit to your husband's, it's to come underneath his leadership. And hopefully you can make decisions together. Husbands, you should be praying with your wives and and really looking at the scripture and talking about it and hopefully coming together to a we decision. That's very clearly, this is God's decision. Go to God's word, go to prayer, go to godly counsel. And many times in that process, you find out what, what God's decision is. And if for some reason you you can't do that, then wives, you put that into the hands of your husbands and say, I trust you, I'm willing to follow you. Now, 1 Peter gets even a little bit more challenging here in verse one, and it says, even if the husband's conduct is, is disobedient. It says, if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And the example is gonna be Sarah. Abraham's not where he's supposed to be. But Sarah continues to respect him, continues to come underneath his leadership, and ultimately God uses that in an incredible way. Now, I do want to be clear here. You know, God is not calling you ladies to allow your husband to live in sexual sin. That needs to be addressed. It's not that your husband can be in adultery and, and then you, you, just, you just go along with it. Or if you're being physically abused, that you need to get into a safe place. You know, God is not calling you to endure uh, physical abuse and put your life in, in jeopardy or allow your husband to continue in, in sexual sin. But what this does speak to is, is we see Abraham's not what he should be. And Abraham's not seeking the Lord like he should. And overall, he was a man of God. But there's this moment in time where he's kind of having an idiot moment. And is your husband going to have an idiot moment? Absolutely. Is he going to have a handful of idiot moments? Probably. I know I do, right? And what's the attitude towards your husband in those moments? And that's what this speaks to is saying, okay, Lord, I know you got him. I know that he's not taking us in the best direction at this moment, but I'm gonna come underneath his leadership and trust you and trust you, God, that you're gonna set my husband straight. And that's difficult to do, but we find in the story of Sarah and Abraham is God protected Sarah. Ladies, God's gonna protect you. He's gonna be faithful to you. And God dealt with Abraham in a way that was far greater than Sarah ever could. And so God will be faithful uh, to his word. In verse 2, when they observed your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, the, the husband's heart being won over, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, 
which is very precious in the sight of the Lord. So here's the focus. God says, inward over outward. Focus on the inward. Don't just focus on arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine, fine apparel. There's no condemnation against that. You know, the Holy Spirit and Peter's saying, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with those things, but don't just focus on the outside. Don't, don't just focus on the appearance, but rather the hidden person of the heart. And this is where God looks, and this is where God is, is concerned, isn't he? What did God see about David? He saw his heart. But where do we focus as man? We, we focus on the, the appearance. Where does society focus on, on appearance? And ladies, it takes great maturity in the Lord to say, I'm going to make the first focus my heart, my heart with God, the hidden person of the heart that I'm loving God with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know, the world really gives us only a skin-deep beauty, doesn't it? You know, just, just what can be presented on the outside. But notice the beauty that God says, an incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. You know, our bodies are getting to a place, you know, where the Bible says it's like a flower that fades. But the spirit can become more like Christ with time. And that, that spirit can have an incorruptible beauty. And I don't know if you've ever sat down with somebody who's 90 years old and they walk with the Lord, male or female, and their inner person is so strong. Their inner person points to Christ. And it's so attractive, isn't it? Like, wow, there's, there's an inter-depth that's there. And, and this is what the word of God is, is pointing out, is focus on that gentle and, and quiet spirit. And the Lord sees these things and they're precious in the sight of God. Lady, I, ladies, I know that some of you are just going, ouch, you know, this, this doesn't feel very good this evening. But think about to the Lord. The Lord is going, oh, this is, this is precious in my sight. God sees you're doing this, this un, unto the Lord. So ladies, if you're single, you got to ask yourself this question about the guy you're dating. Do you respect him enough to follow him? Do you respect him enough to follow him? Do you, are you going to be willing to submit to his, to his leadership? And our culture really encourages falling in love. And, I, and there is value to that. I think you've got to be moved by the person that you want to marry. But if it's more important to have all of the warm fuzzies about, say, the way he looks or his character that you respect, I hope you choose character because those looks are going to fade, right? Or say you're, you're really moved by something that's a superficial thing. And you haven't taken the time to really get to know who he is. So you're going to have to follow him. As soon as you say, I do, you can't say, I don't, right? You can't go, shucks, darn, I should have thought this through a little bit more. It's a lifelong commitment. So ladies, God's calling you to, to submit to your husband. So if you're going to marry him, go, could I follow him? Does he have the kind of character that, that I could follow? And if the answer is no, then, then maybe pray about, no, this isn't the one that the, the Lord has for me. Take the time for the guy to show you the, the true colors, the real cards. Unfortunately, uh, us as men are really good at showing one thing while we're dating, and like the dating's done, and it's like, well, this is who I really was the whole time, you know? It's like, get, get to know his family, get to know his friends, and and, and just watch and, and see it. And again, it's not perfection. I mean, sometimes I think, uh, you know, you godly ladies, you're, you're waiting for superhero Jesus number two, and like <laughs> no guy's ever going to live up to that, you know? And it, I'm not saying that he's going to be perfect and, and, you know, don't have this expectation of perfection, but uh, does he love the Lord? Does he love people? And does he have that kind of character that you're willing to respect and, and follow? We look at verse 5. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God, who adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. So the Old Testament being an example of, of women who adorned themselves in trusting God. And their trust in God was shown by being submitted to their husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good, 
and are not afraid with any terror. You may not be familiar with this story with Sarah and, and Abraham, as apparently Sarah was very good looking to the point where when Abraham would go into a new city, he was afraid that they would kill him in order to be able to marry Sarah. So he gets afraid. He freaks out. And he says, okay, Sarah, I've got this plan. When we go into this city, you need to say that you're my sister, right? Bonehead move, right? I mean, like, he's not trusting the Lord. He's not trusting that God is, is going to protect them. And Sarah submits to her husband. Two times Abraham does this, and God protects her both times. So Sarah's that example and saying, if you follow Sarah's example, ladies, then you're following in, in good footsteps. Ladies, if I could just speak to your heart for just a second, for those that are married, have you ever seen marriage this way? Have you ever come to terms with saying, God is calling me to respect and honor and follow my husband? And maybe it's from what culture says. Maybe it's from the stubbornness of your own heart. Uh, Maybe it's from hurt in your life as a kid. Uh, But for whatever reason, you haven't accepted it. As I just encourage you, soften your heart. Soften your heart and choose to come underneath your husband's leadership and see what God does in your marriage. And wives, if you have been there, and this is what you know and you believed, and you've lived for a lot of years, keep living it. God's word never wears out. This promise was just as good as when you got married, amen? And just recommit, okay, Lord, this this is what you've called and asked me to do. And I, I think for some of you ladies, you may be in a place where your husband's not in the right place, you know? He is difficult to follow. He's having his, his Abraham moment. Man, trust the Lord. Continue to respect him, even when he's not acting in a respectful way. You know, sometimes when I was a youth pastor, things that I would share with the teens is honor the position, even when it's difficult to honor the person. What do I mean by that? Sometimes teens have, have a parent that's totally disengaged in their life, you know, isn't doing all the things that they should do as, as a parent. But yet, God will still bless that youth if they honor the position that God has given to their parent. And it's the same in marriage. Maybe it's difficult to honor the person, but honor the position and watch how how God works. And we get to husbands. All right. Guys, are you ready? Guys, are you ready? All right. All five of you. That's awesome. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Let's start at the back door of the verse. Let's start at the end of the verse, and then we'll go to the the top of the verse. Guys, if you're not motivated, and you're like, I don't know if I really care about this, if you don't treat your wife in a God-honoring way, if I don't treat my wife in a God-honoring way, it is going to hinder my prayers. This is one of the strongest, boldest statements in all of Scripture. I don't know of too many other Scriptures that are this clear. Like, if you don't do this, it's going to hinder your prayers. So here's God. He's listening to our prayers as husbands and as men. And we're coming before the Lord. And God's saying, until you start treating your wife in the way that I've instructed you, I'm not going to listen. You're not, you're not going to have, have my attention. So that should get our motivation going. That should, that should charge us on how important it, it is to the Lord. So what does God call us to as husbands first? He says, dwell with them with understanding. Men, God wants you to understand your wife. And you're going, man, that's an impossible command. Like, I'm, I'm a guy. She's a gal. Like, we think totally different. How, how am I ever going to, to understand her? Well, God will equip us and enable us if we're willing. If we're willing to understand our wives. Do you know what her day was like today? Do you know what her needs are? Do you know what her joys are and her sorrows? Do you know the things that fill her emotional tank and the things that deplete her emotional tank? Do you know how she likes the kitchen to be kept? And do you know what it does to her heart maybe when we leave it messy? 
Do you know what her preferences are with your dirty chonies being thrown all over the floor? Right? Like, dwell with her in understanding. Could you tell me what her top three favorite movies are? Okay, top two. Right? <laughs> you know, do you know what her favorite drink is? If you were going to bless her on a Thursday afternoon and bring her home a drink, what is it? You know? Dwell with her in understanding. So we have to assume that when God's describing marriage, he knows what's difficult for women, and it's difficult for women to say, okay, I'm going to come underneath my husband's leadership. So also, God knows what's difficult for men, and that is to dwell with their wives with understanding. We tend to get blinders on, and we're like, oh, it's the World Series. It's Game 7. Oh, it's the World Series. It's Game 7. I wonder who's winning, the Dodgers or the Astros. It's games, and that's it, right? I, I got to go to work. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, you know? And we can go, unfortunately, years without really understanding what's going on in our wife's life. And, and women have this innate need, the way that God has made them, where they want to be understood. You know, how many times have our wives told us, as men, I don't need you to fix it, I just need you to understand. We're like, oh, that is so hard, right? I thought we were talking about this to fix it, right? And you just want me to understand, right? Because a woman's not concerned about fixing it at that moment. She just wants to be heard. She wants us to sit and listen and go, oh, I'm so sorry that you had a bad day. Oh, that, oh, that worked. It worked, you know? <laughs> Dwell with your wives in understanding. We're going to come back to this in just a moment. As we dwell with them in understanding, it's giving honor to the wife as a weaker vessel. Sounds really offensive. You know, you read this for the first time, and you ladies are like, what is up in the Bible? Submit and weaker vessel? You know, like, forget this. Think of it this way. Fine china compared to a coffee mug. As God has designed this male and female, Obviously, with the fine china, it has a position of honor. And this is what God is saying, is your wife is something to be honored, nourished, and cherished. Your, your coffee mug. Men, we're a coffee mug. And our, our wives are a cherished vessel. We should be treating our wives differently than we treat the guys. You know? There should be a whole different level of respect and, and understanding. And I love this phrase, and I hope this just encourages your heart tonight is that we're heirs together of the grace of life. How many messages do we hear on marriage and family that are just so discouraging, you know? You get done with a 40-minute message, and you're like, well, failed, 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 failed. I got an F for tonight's Bible study. All right, praise the Lord. Gonna go home. But we're heirs together of the grace of life. So, if your spouse knows the Lord and you know the Lord, you have received God's grace together. And hopefully your relationship has an atmosphere of grace. I'm receiving and extending grace. Men, your wife is an heir of the grace of life. She's God's daughter. God has sent his son to die for her. And together we've received God's grace. We need to view our wives that, that way. And you go, well, my spouse isn't saved. Well, Jesus has died for them, and hopefully they'll come to the understanding of God's grace and, and be saved. But be willing to give unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor in your marriage. Let's go back to this dwelling and, and understanding uh, your wife. I think, guys, we need a little bit of help with this. There's a great little book called His Needs, Her Needs by Willard Harvey Jr., Willard Harley Jr., excuse me, like the motorcycle, wrote this book, His, and Her, His Needs, Her Needs. And so, guys, I want you to take notes, all right? If, you, if you've got your phones, get them out, write this down. First thing, and this is on average, this is a generalization here. Some of you ladies may be a, a little bit in different places, but the number one need, we need to understand this. If we understand, we're, I'm going to give you the five needs of, of your wife coming from from this book. When I heard this, it was revolutionary for me. So, so what does your wife really need to dwell with her in an understanding way? It's affection. Write that down. Affection. This is what she can't do without, is affection. And your husbands are like, man, I give my wife affection all the time, you know? So here it is, guys. 
this is non-sexual touch. This is not, I'm grabbing your hand because I want to make love to you. That, that is not affection. That is, I want to make love to you. So this is physical touch, not intended to lead to sex. And your wives are like, he hasn't done that in a long time, right? This is just grabbing your wife's hand because you like holding her hand. You want to give her affection. And it's like, hey, babe, I know you're there. I, I want to hold your hand. Sitting down, watching a movie, grab her hand. Put, put your arm around her. In church, grab her hand. Driving down the car, grab her hand. Rub her on the shoulders. Affection. She gets up in the morning. Hey, babe, great to see you. Give her, give her a hug. Affection. Most women can't get enough of this, right? If we want some feedback from our wives, am I giving you enough affection? They'll probably say, oh, you could give me a little bit more, right? Just pour on the affection, pour on the affection. This is dwelling with her in an understanding way. These needs fill our emotional tank, okay? This is going to fill your wife's emotional tank. This is going to cause her to feel better about life. So affection. Number two, conversation. Man, who knew that, guys? Who knew that, that our wives needed us to talk to her? She needs him to talk to her. What's going on in dating? What, what brings couples together? Lots of affection and conversation, affection and conversation. And these ladies are like, I could marry this guy, right? He's so into affection and conversation. And then we get married and how was your day? Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. It's world, game seven of the World Series, <laughs> right? We get really good at these, these one-word answers. And, and for women, conversation is sharing the heart that causes to feel bonding and us to understand them. Okay, they, they desire my heart here. They want to know how my, my day was. So just making this real practical, praying that God encourages marriages tonight. Guys, when we tell our wives that we don't want to talk to her, it's like our wife saying that she doesn't want to have sex with us. We're just completely shutting down the relationship. Hey, you want to talk? No, I got a headache. <laughs> I got a headache. Can't, I can't talk right now. Sorry. You know. You want to talk? I, I had a really tough day with the kids. Oh, I'm so wore out, you know? I just, I really don't want to hear about your tough day with the kids. Right? Just, just shut down the relationship. So dwell with your life in an understanding way. Be all about conversation. I don't care what time of the day it is. What, whenever the day ends, save some time to have conversation. This, this is crazy talk right here. This means when I have to turn off the TV. <gasps> you know? Don't try to have a really good conversation with your wife while you're... Right? Checking the phone, having it go off and doing this and doing that. Just set some time aside for conversation. Number three, honesty and openness. These are like bad words to men. <laughs> honesty and openness, right? You know? Why honesty and openness? Because she wants to have a man that she can trust. She wants to have a man that she can trust. So this means us being open, transparent, being honest, you know? This is how I'm really doing. I can be really bad at this. Not that I'm hiding these deep, dark secrets. But, but if I'm struggling, I want to wear the Superman cape. You know, if, I, if I've had a bad day, it's, it's difficult for me to, to open up my heart to Amber and say, you know, I really had a bad day or I was, I was really discouraged. or uh, I, I want to I kind of just stuff all the... The worst thing that ever happens to me is crying. I hate it. And it does happen way too often. I don't know why, right? You know, and it's like, and so for me to really open, open up my heart and be like, man, today was really hard, or I was just really down today, I was really, really blue, that, that, that's, that's difficult, you know, that, that's, that's a step, you know, that oftentimes I don't, I don't want to take, but our wives love that, you know, they love it. If, you're, if you had a great day, make sure your wife knows, man, today was awesome, and this is why it went really good. Or, you know what, things have been really difficult, and I don't really know why, but it's that openness and honesty. And with struggles, too. I'm struggling with this. Our wives would love to know to be able to, to pray with us. Can I get an amen, ladies? Yeah? I don't know. All right. 
Number four is she needs stability. She needs stability in her lives. I think most women would say, I don't need the moon. I don't need all of these ornate things. But there's a peace of mind to know that the bills will be paid. You know, men, it's our responsibility. God's called us to be, be providers. It can be the most simplest of home. And wives will make do. They're more than happy to make do. But they need to know that that, that, that financial peace is there. The, the Lord has called us to be those providers and provide that, that financial stability. We're the ones that should know the tires need to be replaced and seeking the Lord and working to see how those tires can, can be fixed. We, we know that rent's coming. We know that the, the, the mortgage is coming, and we're seeking the Lord and working to see those things be provided. That, that's the atmosphere that causes a wife to really be blessed. That's dwelling with her in an understanding way. Number five is family commitment. Our wives need us as men to be committed fathers, be committed to our kids. Guys, it fills our wives' tank when we love on our kids. You know, that blesses mom. She goes, man, I love to see dad spending time uh, with, with those kids. So why this? Because this helps us understand the way that God's wired our wife. Now, these are general. These are general. But this was, this was really life-changing for me when I understood this early on in marriage. You know, I was so clueless when we first got married. And a friend of mine gave us this his needs, her needs, and, and we listened to it in the first couple uh, months of our marriage, and I had no idea that there was affection that didn't lead to making love. You know, as a young guy in my early 20s, I'm like, that's where it, that's where it should go, right? You know? And I'm like, okay. You know, I, I remember one time we were sitting over in the old cafe uh, when the church was still over there. We are in the first, like, six months of our, of our marriage, and Amber ke- keeps, like, hitting my leg and grabbing my leg. I'm like, hey, this is kind of nice, you know? And then we get, we get going home, and I'm like, hey, babe, what's up? And she's like, you were totally not paying attention during that conversation, you know? And I was like, I was hitting your leg like, you need to pay attention. And my interpretation of that is like, hey, she's flirting with me, you know? <laughs> hey. And guys, you might be in that boat, you know? You, you might be in that place of going, I've never really contemplated affection. Your wife has, you know? I've never really contemplated conversation. You know, if, if you're going to look at this list of five things, focus on one and two. Just, just focus on one and two. Do one and two, one and two, one and two, one and two. If you want to be an overachiever, pray about all five, you know? <laughs> But you really can dwell with her in an understanding way. You guys want to have some fun? Do you guys want to know what the top five of the needs of men are? Well, sex, sex, sex. No, No, we'll go through it. Okay, this is general. But, But number one, it is sexual fulfillment. Number one, it is sexual fulfillment. And, and ladies, this is going to bless your husband. This is a way that God has, has wired your, your husband. Make sure that sex is a part of your relationship. The enemy loves to try to get us in bed before we're married and keep us out of bed once we're married, right? So continue to pursue each other sexually. The second thing for husbands is a recreational partner. A recreational partner. Guys feel super bonded when we do stuff together, you know, how come guys can go to a football game and really say nothing the whole time to each other and then drive home from Denver to Colorado Springs and be like, dude, that was awesome. <laughs> like, like we are bros now, right? Because it's recreations. So this is a way that God has made men for their tanks to be filled. So ladies, when your husband comes to you and says, hey, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go for a bike ride? Do you want to drive up in the mountains? Do you, do you want to go do something? Go, yes, I would love to. Let's do it. Why? Because that's going to fulfill his emotional tank. And then as you're doing that recreation, he's going to start talking. Guys like to talk as we do things, right? And that, that's when we start to open up our hearts and, and be, be transparent. So you might not be into four-wheeling, you're like, I hate four-wheeling. It's dangerous. We might get stuck up in the mountains, you know. And most of the time for men, it has some stupid adventure that's in this recreation. Just say, yeah, let's, let's, let's go for it. Let, let's do it, you know. And 
For Amber, when we're able to, to do these things together, it's so, so much fun. Like, we both enjoy shooting guns, and we'll go out, and my little beautiful wife shoots guns, and after we shoot guns, I'm like bragging to all my buddies, like, my wife shoots guns, yeah, you know, like, like babe, you're so awesome, you know, this is so fun to, fun to do together, right, because it, it's recreation, and men, try to find a recreation that your wife enjoys, because at the end of it does, it, does it really matter if it's baseball or football or ATVs or a bike, you know, if, if your wife doesn't like riding a bike, but she likes hiking, go hiking, right, and so recreational partner. Uh, Number three, an attractive spouse. Now, what in the world does this mean? We just read from God's word that the real beauty is the inward beauty. So this goes for both men and women. But take care of what God has given you physically. So God's blessed you with, with a body physically. Your husband's already attracted to you. Let me just tell you that and reassure you of that. He wouldn't have married you. Uh, I think deep down you know that your husband is, is attracted to you. And, and so just take care of what God has, has entrusted to you. And the same goes for men. I think sometimes as, as men, we would like our, our wives to take care of what God's given to them. But they're like, we're like, oh, I can just be a sloth. No, no, no. For your wife, when you're dating, when we were dating, would we show up to, to take our would-to-be wife with, with coffee breath, you know, and nose hairs and a unibrow and our, our hair's not groomed and we're like, hi, how are you? You know, it's like, so what does this mean, attractive spouse? I'm not saying, you know, like every day's got to be to the nines for both men and women. That's, that's not realistic, especially, uh, you know, when you're raising kids and, and those type of things. I'm just saying, brush your teeth. <laughs> you know, wear deodorant, co- comb your hair, you know, the, the, those types of things. <laughs> so, and then... Domestic support, domestic support. And I know that this is not very cultural. It's not politically correct. But, but your husband needs your domestic support at home. What do I, what do I mean by this? Is, is, again, this is generally, but, but wives have a way of organizing things in the home that is such a blessing to husbands. You know, I, I've got three daughters. I see it in my daughters. You know, God has wired it in them where they have this insane ability to organize and put things in order. And you watch women get married and something comes over them and they desire to nest and and make it their own. And and husbands, let them go. Let them do it. Get them the resources that they need, you know. And ladies, as you organize and you plan and you do all those things in your home that make it a home, a guy has a hard time making it a home, but, but the wife makes it a home. That, that's a huge blessing to the husband. You know, it's such a blessing to come into our home and all the, the work that Amber's put into it and just go, oh man, this is a place where I can put my feet up and enjoy, and it's because of, of the work that, that she has, has put in. But what this doesn't mean is men that we don't get involved in helping. Okay, so don't misunderstand that. I'm going to pick on my brother-in-law a little bit when he got married to, to Amber's sister. The dude didn't know how to use a dishwasher. So we had been married like two or three months. And I asked Kelly, Amber's sister, so has Kenny done any dishes yet? She's like, no. And then Kenny's like, I don't know how to do the dishwasher. I was like, boy, get up. I'm going to teach you right now how to use this dishwasher. Like you are not going through your whole married life using this excuse that you don't know how to use a dishwasher. So men, afterwards, if you don't know how to use a dishwasher, let's go up to the cafe and let's figure it out, right? <laughs> this, this isn't an excuse to not, not get involved. This is the, the amazing ability that God's given to, to women to be able to, to bring order. And then the last one is he needs you to be proud of him, admiration. This goes so far. The Bible speaks of, of respect to, and husbands love to, to be respected. It's, it's our weak spot, if, if, if you would. And, and so wives, just, just admire your husband. You're the man, you know? Thanks so much for, for working hard for, for the family. Are those biceps getting a little bigger? You've been doing some push-ups? You know, woo! You know, any kind of admiration that you can just, just pour on him. And, and guys, gang, what, what we're really looking at inside of this is if we're not doing these things for our spouse, then we're leaving our spouse vulnerable for somebody else to come along and do it. So, 
So like men, if our wives aren't getting affection and conversation, and there goes all this time in the marriage where there's no affection and there's no conversation, and then, you know, some guy happens to touch her hand in, in a non-sexual way, and she goes, wow, that feels really good. That wouldn't happen if the husband, if we were husbands, are grabbing our wife's hand, you know, give it, giving her a massage on the, on the shoulders. If we go weeks, months, years without pursuing our wife's heart in conversation, and then there's some knucklehead in the neighborhood or on the, you know, soccer sideline of the soccer field or at work, and and he starts giving our wife all this conversation and fulfilling that emotional tank, I'm like, punch him in the face, right? But I'm leaving my wife susceptible if I'm not pursuing her in conversation. And ladies, for, for your husbands, you know, if, if your husband's not getting any compliments from you and any respect from you, I guarantee it's going to feel really good from some gal at work, you know? If all the time he's getting like, man, you can't do anything right. You're a stinking loser. Why don't you get your act together? And then, and then all of a sudden, some lady at work's like, well, you, you know, you're, you're, thank you. You know, I really appreciate you. He's going, uh-huh. And so you want to help protect your, your spouse by, by meeting these needs. But hopefully it's more than just a protection. Hopefully it's more than just a fire insurance. Hopefully it stems right from our relationship with God, our relationship with the Lord, to say, God, I, I desire to honor you in my marriage. We're not going to get through all 13 verses. We're going to stop here tonight. And I want to put your focus back on the Lord, if I can, for, for just a moment. Because I know for some of you, you're saying, you know what, this, this sounds good. And I, I've heard these things before, and I know that I should. But yet, for some reason, your heart is hard. Your heart is hard. And I just want to be transparent with you for just a moment. Is About the last six months in our, in our church, Rocky Mountain Calvary's has been absolutely heartbreaking in the area of marriage. And I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this to embarrass anybody, but we have seen a real change in the climate of marriages inside of our own church. And, and it's not a particular couple, and I know you guys are sitting here going, is it me? Is it me? No, it's, it's, it's not you. But as a pastoral team, we're seeing more and more people inside of our church that have been here a long time, that are really plugged in, saying, look, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. There's nothing that you can say to, to change my mind. I'm just done. And what's been interesting is it hasn't been the traditional, my spouse is in adultery. It's just, I'm sick of it. We've got this pattern of years and years of treating each other like this, and I don't have any hope for, for my marriage. And for any of us to think that our marriage is above that or beyond that, but let's be honest, let's be realistic, right? We need to be pressing into the Lord and pressing into each other. And I really encourage you, be praying for the marriages of our church because Satan's attacking marriages, isn't he? And I want to speak to you if you find yourself at that place and you're just saying, I have checked out, you know, and I am done and I'm filing for divorce, or I'm going to live as roommates, is please put your eyes on the Lord. Marriage is not about your spouse. It's about the Lord. And next week, please come back next week, we're going to look at the suffering of Christ, and think about Christ. Think about Him. And realize submission to Christ. God is the one who's called me into this covenant. If I'm breaking this covenant, I'm saying no to the Lord, and Christ loves you, and Christ died for you, and Christ has a way of softening your heart if you'll let him, taking that heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh again. Cry out to him and say, Lord, honestly, this is, this is where my heart's at, and would you change my heart? And then begin to do some of these things that we've talked about. Really go back, ladies, and read this section and say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow my husband. And then husbands, take this and really go to the Lord and say, okay, I'm going to really give my wife honor and live with her in, in an understanding way. You know, maybe you're not at that place of giving up, but, but just kind of take a bit, little bit of inventory here and say, you know, where, where am I at in my marriage? Am I investing into it? Is it, is it on cruise control? Is it, is it drifting? 
and begin to apply God's word. But I hope you know this. I hope you know this. Is we're connected to God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. The grace that saved you is the grace that can help you in your marriage. God's ready to pour out grace. And the Spirit of God lives inside of you. It's not by power, by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. He's willing to pour out His Spirit to begin to give you insight. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe he's going to begin to show you ways to serve, serve your spouse. But it says we rely upon the Holy Spirit. Because how many times have we tried on our own and we go right back to our selfish ways, right? So focus on Christ. Focus on the power of the Holy Spirit. And then open up. Man, we're a body. If that's really true, well, let's be that, be that body. If your marriage is on the rocks, you know, open up to another believer. Call the church office. Let, let believers in to pray for you. I'm so proud of the believers that are in that place where you've opened up, you know. If things are kind of ho-hum, open up and allow people to start praying for you. You know, if things are going great, open up and and allow people to start praying for you. Because the idea of the body of Christ is we get to do this together and finish together, amen? We're we're running this race together. So let's stand and let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope that we find in the death of your son and his resurrection. And Jesus, we've been able to laugh and have fun tonight. But Lord, right now, we want to come humbly before you. Lord, I pray for every husband that's here tonight. That you would encourage us that you would allow your word to be planted deep in our hearts, that we would dwell with our wives in an understanding way. Lord, forgive us for not honoring them. May you give each of us greater insight and greater willingness. Lord, would you soften our hearts afresh as husbands. Lord, we pray for all of the wives. Lord, we're, we're so thankful for the women in our fellowship, and we just ask God that you would give them a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. And for those wives tonight that maybe do have a husband that doesn't know you or isn't in the right place, that you would encourage them and equip them. Lord, and as they choose to respect their husbands and follow their husbands, that you would bless them. Lord, we pray for singles, men and women. Lord, we we pray for those that are dating, those that are trying to figure out if they're to be married, that you would give them real confirmation, real wisdom and guidance and leading of your Holy Spirit. Those that are called to a life of singleness, God, that you would give them contentment. Lord, marriages that are gonna come down the road, Lord, that you you would bless that. Lord, would you meet us afresh in communion in Jesus' name, amen.